0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Matic. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Davis Matic. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by Eric Patterson, who works in the risk management segment of the golf book at The Score in Ontario. I just kind of wanted to have Eric come on to talk a little bit about the world of golf betting and a little bit of what it takes to manage that risk for a golf book. Uh, as you guys know, I love Golf betting, and I think Eric had some good insights into the industry. And of course, we had to talk a little bit about the 2023 upcoming golf season as well. So I hope you guys find this enjoyable. And uh, if you like the show, you can get bonus episodes on patreoncom takecast The link to that is in the description of this. You can tell a friend about the show. That's always very useful, very helpful. Or you can just leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone, welcoming into the program eric patterson you can follow him on twitter at epat golf of course there will be a link to his twitter in the description of this show um uh, but look it's it's golf season we're here the century tournament of champions the sony open we're, we're gonna primetime golf for those of us who live in flyover country so we are we are going to talk about golf markets golf betting maybe we'll look at some stuff we expect to happen in 2023 but eric man thank you very much for joining me today man
1: yeah, Davis, thanks for having me on. I've been a, a follower of yours for a while, a listener of yours for even longer. And uh, yeah, just happy to be here. And I mean, for a while there in December, I was missing golf. Usually that doesn't happen too often with how congested the schedule is, but I am excited that it's finally back in our lives. And, um, you know, Hawaii, it doesn't get much better than that when you're freezing your ass off up here in Canada. So um, yeah, really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, you know, it's about uh outside today. It's about thirty-four degrees here where where I'm at. So uh turning on the uh, you know, the Kapalua plantation course and seeing these guys, you know, basically in in, you know, Tommy Bahama shirts is not gonna be it's not gonna be that fun. Um, so I reached out to you because I was like, well, you know, I, I wanna talk a little bit about golf. I I I try and proselytize golf betting to everyone that I know because I think it's truly like the, I think it's the sport and, and this is Mayo's opinion too. So this is way out there, but like, I, I think it's the sport that is best suited to be a gambling activity. Like betting on golf is way better than betting on football. Um, you know, way better than betting on baseball. I love soccer, but soccer is not an ideal betting sport either. Cause of all the ties, I mean, go- golf betting is it's the best sport for betting. I think.
1: Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I'm a firm believer. Um, you know, I'm definitely riding with that camp. Uh, it's just, I also think it's one that hasn't quite been figured out yet. I'm, I'm sure there's, there's modelers out there and professionals out there who think they do have it figured out, but there's so much variance. Um, You know, the best guys don't always necessarily win. You can get some long shots out of nowhere, a four day sweat. It can also be hole by hole. So you you can break it up as, as long as you want, or as short as you want with all the options in the market today. So I do believe that, you know, it is, um, there's something for everyone. Long shots can take favorites. I mean, there's, it's just, there's a, a full array of, of betting options that you don't get with a lot of other sports and there's so much data that goes involved with it if you really want to get into the, into the nitty-gritty but um, yeah it's uh, it's truly uh, one of the best week in week out um, I mean obviously my favorite and uh, definitely what I what I focus all of my attention to uh, in my both both my like hobbies and in, in terms of uh, my professional life
0: yeah, so I've been I've been following you for a really long time, and I knew that you worked for the score, but I didn't know like in in what capacity. And I, I'm reaching out to you because I'm like, yeah, I want to talk about golf. I I see your cards every week. You have the nice graphic with your card. If you know if you guys follow Eric, you're gonna get his uh, his betting card with with a nice little graphic to go along. I thought about stealing that before actually. Um, go for it. But 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 wait, we, we're we're chatting before the show, and I I learned that you work in risk management on the golf side which actually is is topical because i had jeffrey benson on from circus sports last week to talk about the, the the writing ticket side um i mean i i guess just to start here like how scientific from a bookmaking perspective is setting golf like you know because in there there's a there's a lot of room for artistry in in line making i think
1: yeah i mean i would from what I've seen, um, I've been at the score bet now for just over a year. Um, we really started to ramp up our golf product recently. Um, there is some artistry. There's definitely more artistry to the golf side of things than other, um, you know, lines that we offer. A lot of it is model driven, whereas golf, it's, um, you know, it, it's a similar process to, to you know, honestly, what a lot of people do on Twitter um, when they're projecting odds for the week of, you know, you, you see the field list, you kind of, you can group your players in, um, you know, top tier, middle tier, long shots. Um, there is a, a certain feel and kind of a cadence to it, week in and week out. Um, there's there's obviously numbers and and data that you can uh, lean to, but a lot of it is you know kind of a a feel based thing. Um, you know, with, with this week, uh, Rom obviously the favorite. Uh, he's played extremely well here at, at Kapalua before, so he's obviously that head and shoulders favorite. Um, and then there's that you know there's that 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 group of next tier guys that aren't quite in ROM's ca- caliber, but are, are pretty close with the, with the Thomas, the Shoffley, the Cantley. Um, and if you, if you pay attention to golf card or, you know, odds boards week, every week, you'll kind of get an understanding of where guys line up in terms of their odds. You know, maybe they have a good week or good course history and, and they might get moved up a little bit, but for the most part, it is uh, pretty repetitive. Um, and I, again, that's why I believe some of it is exploitable.
0: So from uh, a a risk a risk management asset. So like I think one of the things that we see a lot in golf DFS is like you know there are certain guys uh, you know that are maybe like let's say eight thousand dollars of salary on on DraftKings or wherever. Let's call it fifty to eighty to one from the from from like a betting odds perspective. And 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 there will be a certain category of guys that ends up getting real popular. Um, like I think our dude Sung Jay, anytime he's he's below like 30s, ends up kind of being uh, you know, like a like a community play. Uh, and and these guys, it sometimes it happens pretty organically where like everyone will sort of just be like, this is the bet this week. So from a risk taker's perspective, are you guys really following even this like pretty recreational action on these guys? If if say you guys open up on a Monday and a guy who's 60 to one just gets pelted how are you guys responding to that from a risk perspective
1: uh depends i'm not sure if i'm uh, allowed to review all the cards but yeah no don't um, don't
0: No, no company secrets here no
1: no there's no company secrets i mean you you move on obviously the sharper players um if if those guys are are noted in your book as you know potentially sharps or know exactly what they're doing you'll pay attention to them i'm not going to overreact to you know, one guy, let's say, but, um, if there is definitely steam and, and the market is moving, if you don't move, you're, you're kind of just sitting there with your pants down. So you, you kind of have to react. Why would you, why would you sell a guy at 66 when you can sell him at 50? Uh, there's kind of no point in in giving the 66 up when, when people are willing to buy at 50. So, um, you're going to move based on, uh, you know, popular players, obviously there's, uh, Full transparency. There's are there's guys out there that we res- respect in the industry that we will move on their you know their tips. Um, the entire market does. Um, I don't think it takes too much uh, thought into figuring out who those guys are. So um, yeah, it's it's a, a bit of both. Again, if if you have strong conviction, um, you can also just you know hang numbers and and you know let the let the punters click away, and and you know you're still in a good spot based on some of the uh, what you're seeing in the market. So. Uh, it, it, for me, every week is different, which is kind of what's cool about it. Even though, again, every week's kind of the same when you when you release odds on a Monday.
0: Yeah, actually, what talk to me about about that um, releasing odds? I mean, I I guess I assume someone involved just has their their model that generates. Uh, you know, this is what are expected win probabilities, top five probabilities, so on and so forth, and then you you move from that to account for the hold for 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 the big and and then or is it lower limits at first and then moving as the the maybe weak lines get picked off a little bit
1: yeah I mean you'd be you you definitely open with lower limits um maybe a little uh you know shorter odds if you will just to see where the, the money first comes in um again uh, you can still there's still tons of value uh out there I, I see it all the week all the time on. On multiple books, there's still going to be uh, some books that are willing to hang numbers on guys that you perceive as per, like popular and or a good play, um, and then yeah, as the week goes on, you get more information, whether that's weather, whether that's draws, whether that's injury news. I mean, this week, for example, Xander Shoffley, there's a injury concern with him, so books react have to react to that stuff throughout the week. Um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Obviously, you don't want to get caught. Um, you know, Monday and, and giving up massive prices on guys that shouldn't be. Uh, you, you gotta, you gotta, again, it's all about managing risk while was, at the same time, having a, having an offering that is appetizing to guys who want to place bets on Monday. You can't, you can't just shoo these people away. Um, they're there for a reason. You can use their information if you want. If not, um, you know, you can just let them hammer away. And if, if you feel comfortable, that's, it's all kind of part of the game.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, actually, this is this is maybe like a little bit out of order from how I wanted it to go. But Tiger Woods, right? I mean, Tiger Woods is I, I don't think there's anything like writing. I i guess I'm not speaking from a position of experience, but there's got to be nothing like writing bets on Tiger Woods for golf than in in any other sport. Right. Because of the. Just because of the nature of the way Tiger's performance is so up and down, and honestly, like pretty unpredictable. But I, I have to assume that, um, like the liabilities for Tiger at Augusta or at any major are way outsized, especially because I don't, you know, you can't really like give him at I don't know eighteen to one or whatever. Like the the Tiger liabilities have to get sort of wild.
1: I mean, I'm gonna, yeah, last last April was pretty much like last masters. I think it was first tournament back. That was the first time personally I've seen it. I haven't been doing this for that long, but I mean, if you were doing this you know, for the last 20 years, I'm sure you have a lot more experience in this, but um, yeah, it, it was out of control to be honest. It was, you're basically putting a number up for tiger, whatever you put up, people will bet it. And then you almost have to, from a risk standpoint, you have to treat him almost like a different tournament. Um, like there's the tiger book, and then there's the rest of the book because you just can't, like you can't control um, what is going to happen to to the tiger liability. So, um, I mean, it, it was astonishing to see what people will will put down on tiger at, at any odds. Um, even this past uh, at the match, um, obviously him and Rory were extremely popular, and um, I don't think it took uh, you know the sharpest people in the world to figure out that you know maybe a one-legged tiger. Uh, going up against maybe the the best team combination in Spieth and, and Thomas, uh, that probably shouldn't have been close to even money, and uh, it 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 wasn't. Uh, it, I mean, the results kind of sp- spoke for themselves. So um, Tiger's just going to get love whenever he tees it up, and um, you just kind of got to swallow the pill if he ever does. If he ever does win again, which I mean, as a fan, I'd love to see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, as like a fan, it's great, but also as you know, as someone looking to uh pick off these lines. Like um, you know, in terms of like offering head to heads, I you see this on Speeth too. Speeth and Tiger tend to get a lot of, I don't know, I I guess what you'd call like recreational money. You know, Speath is a fan favorite, Tiger is a fan favorite. And and I, I suppose Speeth has retained very similar to Tiger, has retained like more win equity than his baseline level of play. Like speeth can kind of win when he's playing like shit um so in in the head to head markets which is like you know that's that's pretty inside baseball like i don't think a, most people are betting head to heads but you will see this interesting thing where speeth will be like a let's say like a big dog to rory or someone like that but he right. will actually be like very close to them in win equity in in the outright markets um and and i mean i assume that is done intentionally because you are you're getting loads of softer bets on speed or tiger or honestly even Brooks at this point, cause Brooks is playing so poorly. Um, you know, you're getting, you're getting a lot of outright action on them, but those same people are not going into the head to head markets and piling in on them.
1: Yeah. I, I can't add much more to that. Cause you're pretty much nailed, nailed it on the head there. I it's, you got to look into the uh, you know, kind of the, the secondary markets to kind of see what odds makers and, and you know, modelers, projectors, actually think of the players not not necessarily the outright uh, odd board just because yeah 18 to 1 versus a, a 22 to 1 um, it's not that that different but on a head-to-head if a guy's you know minus 120 and he or he's minus 160 minus 170 that's a substantial difference so um, there's a when the numbers are you know a bit tighter when it's head-to-head or, or group betting even um, you kind of you can see who the odds makers or what the projections are actually kind of think of the player where, as opposed to the odds boards, which is honestly just it's people are going to bet some of the guys that regardless of the number Um there's, there's I've my personal experience, Max Homa is extremely popular. That obviously comes from his, his um, you know, what he does on Twitter. So, and so good on Twitter, man. Yeah. It's, so you got to be wary of him um, again. Kevin Kisner, another very popular player that we see a lot of action on. Uh, Figala, which uh, I think this last season was kind of his coming out party. Um, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more action on him this this season. So there's there's these kind of personality standout guys that um, you know you can't you can't shorten their number just because you're getting a ton of action on them. You just gotta, gotta let gotta let the popular players be the popular players and, and manage your risk that way
0: um so in terms of content providers right because this i mean this is like a huge this is actually a huger conversation in golf than in any other sport i mean i i don't know if you know baseball touts or football touts are arguing with each other about this but this is huge in golf you know people have accused data golf of of ruining the edge in golf betting and saying like you know if you guys were if you guys were really that profitable you wouldn't have given up these numbers you wouldn't be letting books have access to these numbers i mean how has the proliferation of like publicly available betting models and content changed uh writing golf bets
1: great question i don't even know if i've thought about that to be honest um i mean yeah it's there's good data everywhere um but i what I love about golf is data doesn't tell the whole story and you can have the best projections in the world for first golf and you'll still, you could still get completely wiped out in a week. Uh, it's so unpredictable. And so there's so much variance. It's not like, it's not like basketball projections where you can literally, you know, pinpoint if a guy's going to play 28 minutes or 30 minutes or what his usage rates going to be. Um, golf is so much different than that. So like, like I said, kind of at the beginning, um, there is a lot of data that goes into it. And obviously there's, there's providers out there that have uh, incredible data um, that is very useful and and actionable. Um, maybe more so in, you know, secondary markets, head to heads, even if you want to get down to like round props. Um, whereas in like an outright, in an outright market, I don't think it's going to be as useful. Um, you know, just me perking, speaking personally there i'm not sure if it's as useful in the in the outright market but i do think you know in the in the top 20s top 40s i think um you know some of those softer markets that maybe don't get uh you know maybe not as much attention is paid to those i do think there is uh there is still an edge out there for those for those people you know paying for those services or using that that type of data
0: that i mean that's mostly been my experience is like the further you get away from betting pga tour outrights you know because like that's the other thing i mean this is the other beautiful thing about betting on golf is there is the corn fairy tour there is the european tour now we have live golf we have uh you know head to heads and three balls and it's like the further you get away uh you know if we're thinking of like uh de- degrees of separation from pga tour outright markets like the the limits get lower obviously like i i don't think you could make a living um you know betting uh corn Fairy tour outrights or like round 3 head-to-head matchups or whatever but because the limits are not as high the lines are going to be a little bit less bet into which just means they're going to be a little bit less sharp like obviously the more money that gets bet into these lines the better they're going to be so you'll find for like well i'm assuming this is true you'll find for like the masters like i assume your limits for a a masters head-to-head are much higher than like the rbc heritage
1: yeah and i i would assume that's uh that's the truth for all sports books that are paying for attention sure. to these types of things. I don't think you can, I mean, the masters is literally the Super Bowl. So if you have, I mean, if you're not willing to take pretty substantial bets on, on masters heads to heads, and I don't know what your end game is in, in building a sports book, to be honest. So um, but obviously, yeah, these second tier events, the, the Puerto Rico open, um, some of the fall swing stuff, like, they're just inherently going to have lower limits, just because you know there's not as much as many people willing to put down uh, a good chunk of money on on some of these lines. So you don't want, you know, I mean, it's going to happen, but you don't you don't want one sided sharp action. You're going to you're going to get uh, stuck in a tough spot. So, yeah, you, you've nailed it. I I think you have a pretty good grasp on how these sports book operate
0: so um how has the the live golf stuff changed uh bookmaking for for golf i mean have you guys seen uh similar volume to the live tour i mean like i i my perception is that it's much less popular but also like people who gamble on golf like really really love to gamble on golf and maybe they're just uh attacking any market that is opened
1: yeah um people you said that correctly people who love gambling on golf are the ones that gamble on it. And then the ones who just like sports betting don't bet on it is kind of how I would say that Um, they're going to go, you know, whatever's on their TV Saturday, Sunday afternoon, it's going to be a PGA tour event for for this, you know, at this point in time Um, there, that's what they're going to bet on. Um, That's what I've noticed. It's uh, for us, it's uh, substantially lower in terms of a number of bets and handle um, on a, when, you know, I think Liv was running events up against like the John Deere classic. And, um, I mean, what we were seeing on, on Live stuff just didn't compare to what we were getting on the John Deere classic, which, uh, is, I mean, that's kind of like a whole nother, uh, conversation to have about uh, Liv's popularity and, and kind of how they're approaching, um, you know, running events and whatnot. But, uh, for now, PJ tour still dominates, um, It sucks that, you know, we can't have Cam Smith defending this week in Kapalua, but that's just kind of the reality that we, we live in and it's just going to make, you know, the majors, the masters, uh, those, those events that much bigger.
0: Yeah. I mean, what, what kind of is your take on, on the live golf situation? Like my, my, my take is that it's, it sucks and I hate it, but it, it like, I think these, these dudes, uh, you know, the Saudis, they just have too much money, um, and, and I, I, at this point I'm, I'm closer to wanting the PGA tour to bend the knee than to hoping that, that live golf goes away, which sucks.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely in the camp of uh it sucks for the viewers. It sucks for the fans. Um, I'm, I'm a PGA tour traditionalist, maybe, maybe to a fault, obviously nothing. They're not perfect by any means, but I do think it was, you know, the, the, it was the top league. I don't, you know, there's no debating that it was the number one league. That's, the, that's what everyone wanted to join before Liv showed up. Um, I don't care how much money these guys are playing for. Obviously, they they feel like they're being underpaid or obviously there's way more money out there. So they're going to go to it, which I'm not going to fault them for that. But um, for me personally, I don't, again, I don't care if a guy has a pot to win, you know, 4 million versus 1 million. If, if the title's on the line, if it's, if, if it's a meaningful event, um, that's kind of all I care about, and I just want to see the best players together playing more golf. And um, that's only going to happen, you know, four four times a year right now. So it, it's it just stinks that you know these guys are, are are leaving this tour and playing somewhere else. And it just it's we're never going to have like a, a DJ versus Rory battle unless it's at Augusta, which I mean, which is cool. But like um, you know, I'm I'm from Canada. The Canadian Open is a huge event. Seeing DJ walk out like the week before, it it sucked. Um and him and Rory were kind of building that uh that tournament up. So yeah, that that definitely stung and it's something we're not gonna see, maybe, you know, not for the foreseeable future at least.
0: I mean, the my worry would be is that golf sort of has this unique ability to grow right now. Um I think I mean, one, like baseball is dying. Two, the regular season NBA product is just not very good anymore. And obviously, like, football is always going to be huge. But I, I sort of feel like, and, and hockey, honestly, I mean, not not in Canada where you are from, but here in the States, like, hockey is kind of, it's it's a local sport. Like, if, if your city has one, you're really into it. But if you live in a major or semi-major metropolitan area that doesn't have it, like, you you don't really care. And golf is, it's always on, right? Like, I mean, what how many weekends a year do you not have a golf tournament? Like, very, very few. Um, it's really good to wager on. And also, like, it's it's in a, well, it was in a really good spot with lots of guys who are young, lots of guys who are personable, lots of guys who are, like, pretty popular, good on social media. I mean, we just talked about Max Homa. And I, it's honestly, like, the, most of the conversations around the sport now are, like, kind of depressing because it's just like, yeah, well, half these tournaments every year are just going to suck ass. It's going to be guys who are, uh you know, 100 and 15 to one at at Tory Pines going off as the favorite at at some of these tournaments which is I I just think it was it, it's like, it seems so short-sighted by everyone involved
1: yeah it's un, it's very unfortunate timing like you said like it just there was so much I felt like there was so much momentum in which the sport needed in like a post-Tiger era um, yeah for a few years there it was a little. It looked a little dire in terms of who might take the torch uh, with, you know, Rory was in a bit of a slump, Spieth was in a slump, Tiger wasn't playing. We just really didn't know. It was, it was pretty much just DJ was kind of carrying the tour around. Um, and now, I mean, yeah, they've gone two separate ways. Cam Smith was becoming a star. Um, there's a few young guys on the, on the live tour. I mean, Neiman was flourishing into, in what could have been come like a, a superstar in the PGA tour. And now he's got to go do, try to do that on live. Um, it's just, it's just tough for, I don't know. It's tough to get people, new people into the sport when there's two leagues. Like how, how the hell are they supposed to figure out which one they want to watch when you don't even know who the best guy is on each tour? It just, it's just, it's just a lot. I just, yeah, this is a whole big conversation and, and talking point for me. I just don't understand the people who, who say like, you know, golf needed competition. The um, you know, PGA tour needed competition. I mean, the, the competition for the PGA tour was the other sports. That's the NFL doesn't need competition. NBA doesn't need competition. Like they're fighting with each other. They don't need other leagues playing the same sport to start competing with them. So the PGA tour was taken on baseball pretty much all summer. And I think they were doing a good job. They were, they were building tournaments. They're, they're building players. And now, yeah, they, they have golf or live golf as, a, as their competitor now. And it just kind of fractured the whole game.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's very it's it's I, I don't I don't buy that argument that golf needed competition at all either. Now, like I am sort of sympathetic to a lot of the well, I the the guys I'm sympathetic to are are not the guys who are going to live. It's 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 like bottom of the tour guys who have to you know like pay for their own travel and maybe they'll have to keep their card and maybe they won't. And but but the li- the live stuff doesn't seem to be impacting those guys. It, it feels like what Phil. And and the other live guys were really saying was that the high end guys weren't making enough money and that it was too much for, you know, the the 30 best players in the world or whatever. And I, I'm not at all sympathetic to that. And, and I guess you could make the argument that with the fields being a little bit weaker and with, with, you know, theoretically more prize money coming this year, that maybe for like the 113th best player in the world, uh, the PGA Tour is like a better spot than it might have been.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough. I, I've i been in the camp of of believing that, you know, the PGA Tour should stop caring about whoever's 113th in the world and 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 really focus on the top guys. Obviously, this is what, is, Live is exactly what they're doing. But for the longest time, you know, I don't think the top guys were rewarded. Um, so maybe I am justifying why the Live guys left. But at the same time, these guys are compensated so well. I mean, Tiger and, and Phil were two of the top, the, the most wealthiest, athletes in the history of the world so it's like these guys if you make it to the top Rory's up there now like these guys make boatloads of money um they could have filtered it further down to the you know the top 10 top 20 but these are the guys that carry the tour and it it sucks to see uh, a handful of them go and I'm sure we're going to see more Ram alluded to that Ram alluded to that this week that more guys are going to go and it's just going to continue to kind of create two mediocre tours when you could have had one really really good one
0: but it's also, it's like, you know, that's not really that dissimilar from other sports. Like a vast majority of NFL players make like really shitty money, you know, yeah. like, like, like they're, we're talking like uh practice squad guys, I think make like $135,000 a year, which obviously is like, you know, that's above uh, the median income or whatever, but compare that to what, uh, you know, a star quarterback or like a really good offensive lineman makes. And I, and I guess the, the PGA Tour has done like some changes. Like what? It, there's uh way more money at the end of the season now. I I don't even they there's new tournaments coming, right?
1: Well, they have like uh the fall season has been there's no FedEx Cup points, so they're just gonna be playing for you know kind of money basically straight up cash. Right. Um. But uh yeah, they I believe they've given like a a stipend to every player tour, like every guy on tour with a card um i think it's in, it's in the six figures for sure to cover travel expenses uh whatever it might be the day-to-day type of you know whatever they have to spend to, to travel to tournaments and, and stay in hotels and shit so um they are trying to help out the guys at the bottom but um if you look down like you know i think the guys at the bottom me personally i think they were compensated plenty for pretty much bringing next to nothing to the table. You could look at, you know, who finished 150th on the money list last year. They probably made over a million dollars and I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't be able to pick them out of a line. So um, uh, these guys, to me, they were getting paid too much, but um, again, you need, you do need these players on tour for the Rory McIlroy's for Justin Thomas to be able to beat. So you got to fill the fields with people. So um, obviously they're there for a reason. They, they have a chance to, to, you know, to obviously improve and get better and become a star, but um, yeah, they're, they were taking up a lot of the uh, attention of the tour instead of focusing on, you know, what the best players in the world, the ones who are driving ticket sales, what those guys wanted.
0: So, I, I mean, I, I guess we should have started this. What is your, what is your history with golf? Did you, were you, were you playing first? Were you a, a D gen first who found like, what is the, what, what is your, what is your personal history with, with golf?
1: uh yeah that's probably why I love the tour so much but like it started I guess as from as long as I can remember I was swinging plastic clubs you know in my grandparents backyard and watching the PGA tour on Saturday Sunday playing golf from pretty much as young as I can remember um played through all through high school um and kind of quit during university just to, to focus on other things but I've it's been a massive part of my life my entire life so um yeah it's uh, it's between, you know, Canada's pretty standard hockey in the winter golf in the summer. Um, yeah, it's, that's why I'm just such a big fan of the PGA tour, because it's the only thing I've ever known. And it's the only thing I've ever cared about. So
0: is, uh, is that is that actually really common that that in the summer golf is is the sport over hockey?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, guy, like guys will still play, you know, pick up, pick up hockey in the, in the winter, the the real diehards, but I mean, golf and baseball, I wanna say, or where you switch to as soon as the snow starts to melt. So um yeah, golf, there's a lot of good uh so most of the NHL players are pretty solid golfers as well, just because that's a it's a good way to spend the off season.
0: Yeah. I mean that's how that's how it is for um for pitchers in baseball is is most of them are are really good golfers as well. So then how did you do do you do you have like a, a come to Jesus moment with golf betting? Like do you remember do you remember the first like insane uh long shot you hit that you were like all right well this is my sickness forever
1: that's a good question um yeah I I mean I I I believe it probably started when you know Pat Mayo fired up his podcast and um I kind of dove in um probably back in like 2014 when I got like really back into it kind of at the tail end of my university career there um the biggest one I remember ever sweating was I think it was Cam Smith, Jonas Blix at the at the Zurich Classic, the team event. I think I went to a Monday playoff where I remember I was watching at work. I was like, that's as soon as I knew, like, I didn't really care about my old job that much, is when I was, you know, streaming a, a Monday playoff between um, yeah, it was it was Blix and Smith versus uh Kevin Kisner and Scott Brown. And I I believe they're 125 to one or or something in that ballpark. So that was definitely my uh kind of like you mentioned, come to Jesus moment. It's like, this is my old career is not what I want to be doing. I'd rather be focused on golf pretty much all the time.
0: Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's a good business to be involved in. I I think mine is very similar to a lot of people, which is the, the Mayo, uh, Danny Willett masters right. win at, at 150 to one. That was like the, the sickness for me forever. But then also I have maintained uh, a, a deep love for it because I got to truly be running at like 98th percentile lifetime in golf outright. It's just like the, I I've never reloaded, uh, my, my, uh, my betting accounts because whenever, whenever it gets there, like a a Nick Taylor, uh, at Pebble beach, 150 to one comes through or, uh, you know, a a Bryson or whatever. That was, that was another thing that really got me was I was, uh, really early on Bryson and just betting him T fives, T tens and winners. Like, because uh, I was so enamored with his, uh, you know, rocket scientist thing, I'm, I'm, I'm out on him now. But like, young, young Bryson was incredible.
1: Yeah, he was, uh, he was pretty polarized when he showed up. I think it was the Masters. He was like uh, one of the amateurs, I believe, he top, made the top cut. But he was yeah. like 120 pounds soaking wet with that, with his Ben Hogan hat, and like people were enthralled by him, and um I guess still are. But yeah, he was. Uh, he was really good before he put on, you know, went into the into the full bulk mode and, and hitting as far as he could. He was uh he was really good with his way. He was kind of like a, a knocker. He was uh he was good at the short like RBC Heritage. I feel like he played pretty well at. So he he transformed his game. But yeah, he was kind of one of those guys that people were either in all the way in on or completely out on from the from the get go.
0: Yeah, I mean, I he's, I he's he is he's so annoying. But I mean, that's kind of that is kind of one of the the really cool things about golf actually is that like you 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 end up getting a pretty good sense of who these guys are. It's kind of like basketball where you can always see their faces, you can hear them talking a lot. You know, like I mean honestly that that's a huge part of it. And like in the NFL uh and in hockey a lot of these times like that's not the case. You're not able to differentiate. You're not able to get a sense of these guys' personalities. But I mean obviously if you've ever gone golfing with someone for four, like you can learn a lot about a person playing 18 holes with them.
1: You can also learn a lot about them by, you know shot tracking them for four days when you have a 150 to one ticket on them and um, you know figuring out that they can't make a three foot putt or they can't hit a fairway or they can't chip it's um, you know without tv coverage this is how you do learn a lot about these players but it's it's kind of what's make you fall in love with them. Like Mayo's got List. There's, you know, everyone's kind of got their guys. Oh my uh, God.
0: Luke list. Don't even get me started on. <laughs> I, I, you know, what was crazy to me is when I, I thought I was rooting for this like 26 year old young God who was going to figure out to putt eventually. And the th- dude is like 38 years old. Yeah.
1: He's one of the, like an elder statesman on tour. Um, Golf's another one of those funny sports where you like, you think you got a guy figured out and then you, you know, you open up a Wikipedia page. You're like, Holy shit. How is this guy still, you know, 30 years old?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, like, it's, it's unbelievable because guys can kind of like round trip their careers too. You know, like you can be the promising young guy, then you have to go back down to the corn ferry. Then you come back like that is like, a, the, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like super common, but it is not uncommon. For a guy to like kind of stick around on the periphery of professional golf and then uh you know basically come come back into it after a while
1: yeah like uh russell henley's like 33 but he's been around since he was like 20 ish 20 early 20s and i feel like you know most people would probably guess he's into his you know, late 30s uh harris english is another one who looks a lot older than he probably people probably think he is just yeah, again, you don't you don't always see these guys on TV enough to like kind of figure out who they are. You are following a lot on on um, you know leaderboards and whatnot, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's one of the best sports where you can you can have your favorites for no reason, and you can also hate guys for no reason as well. So,
0: uh, I mean, we gotta we gotta ask about some of the um, you know the very the hot topics in in golf betting uh, course history. Where where do you land on on course history? How is that uh, influencing? your uh your writing of wagers because it's definitely something that people who uh, a sizable portion of people who bet on golf really believe
1: in it i uh, i mean i've been in the camp of it it definitely matters i think you know golf is such a a mental game whereas if this player feels comfortable on a you know 16 out of 18 tee shots and they're probably gonna have a much better chance on a course than you know where they stand over every tee shot and say like i have no idea how to play this hole or where to aim so i think course history is a uh, pretty substantial um you know piece of information that needs to be looked at uh i i think it would be kind of crazy to ignore based on some of the you know the results that we see year in and year out um you know off the top of my head, whether it's like, you know, Steve Stricker at, at TPC Deer Run, the guy obviously loved the place. He won there a bunch. Um, and then there's obviously corollary courses to that. So I think, yeah, you'd be kind of foolish to just completely ignore course history because it, it, I think it affects how players, you know, feel for that week, show up for that week, prepare for that week, and ultimately play for that week. So I do think it's uh, a pretty, pretty substantial piece of, of information to use. I
0: mean, I, I, think it probably tends to be one of those things that gets baked in you know it gets it gets baked For into sure. lines it gets baked into you know obviously because the the dfs prices are are just a natural extension of of the odds which is all uh, it's the only it's uh well i guess um tennis and mma are that way as well where where basically the um the 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 vegas prices or the sportsbook prices end up you know immediately impacting the uh the the dfs prices but i i my take would be is that if you've played a lot of golf which i mean i play i'm i'm like a i'm not a very good golfer but i do i do play a lot it it is kind of one of those things where it's like some courses i'm like oh yeah like i know what to do here i know where to miss i know how these greens run it's 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 actually very similar to the argument that people who played like i don't know high school basketball or whatever make is that like dude when you're hot you're hot You, you you're you're or or uh you know the the college baseball player who will tell you like you know this guy this guy is seeing the the ball like a, a beach ball right now and and certainly anyone who's done athletics knows that there's kind of this intangible element of confidence that impacts results but it's it's obviously very hard to like formulate that
1: 100 percent. i mean if you if you're like a member at a course i remember i grew up i was lucky enough to have like a, a junior membership and like you play this one course over and over again, you feel completely comfortable with every club selection, every target, every green, like, and then you show up to like your, your friend's course. You're like, Holy shit, what am I doing here? Like, I don't know what club to hit. I don't know how to play this hole. It's, it's once you're comfortable on a golf course, it's uh, I mean, there's not much more of a freeing feeling than just, you know, you step up to a tee, you know, exactly what club to grab and away you go instead of having to figure it out as, as you go.
0: What's your uh, what's your handicap these days?
1: i uh i wish it was a lot lower i played it like a 10 right now which is uh i have uh, a case of who's a who's a terrible chipper hovlin he's actually a lot uh, he's
0: he's game. like no he's the worst i mean no, he, I, he obviously yeah he's not... a
1: terrible chipper yeah that's yeah, what i he's mean he's terrible yeah. like if if i miss a green and reg i am uh i'm sweating as i as i walk up to my ball and, and praying that i'm either in the bunker or have a nice fluffy lie in the rough or other than that it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a long way in
0: see that's so funny because i'm horrible off the tee i which i was like i'm i'm not very tall so it's hard it's harder for me to generate the leverage but i'm also just like not very flexible but my my short game is like that's like that's the only reason i'm not like 40 over every round is because i can i can get it to the green uh i i can at least putt for par a lot of the time i don't have a ton of birdie putts because my drives are going like 210
1: i mean yeah it's one of the most frustrating things is like my I don't know, 13 year old self could kick my ass today, which is just unfortunate. Um, you know, a couple injuries here and there, you don't play for as much. And then, yeah, you just, you just lose the confidence. So that's, that's kind of what we're working through now in the real life is just, you know, gaining that confidence, either off the tee or on the green. It's a, uh, it's a long road, but I mean, that's, that's why you keep playing. You hit one or two good shots around. And that's what, what that's what brings you back every time.
0: All right. So let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the 2023, 2023- PGA golf season. Let's put some let's put some predictions down. Um, you know, looking at the uh, the top 10 of the official world golf rankings, it's it's a lot of dudes we would expect to be amazing again. Um, although Cam Smith is is not going to be there. Who who is your call to come, you know, crashing in to the world top 10? Who who people maybe would not be familiar with right now?
1: Familiar with or just like further down. Uh... Yeah,
0: just just further down. I mean, it doesn't have yeah, to be yeah, like yeah. Sepp Straka or whatever.
1: No, I mean, I, that's was tough. Um, I, I'm expecting big things from, you already mentioned him this, this pod. It's uh is Sung Jae. I think um, he had uh, what I would consider a bit of a down year. You would expect him to, to win in 2022, but he never did um, a few runner-ups. Uh, the guy has all the tools in the bag. I don't think you can say a bad thing about any part of his game. Um, so I, I do think Sung Jay is going to take that next step forward and, and, you know, kind of come become a perennial top top ten and and contend in some majors. Maybe maybe win one of these um this year. Uh, I just I think it's been it's been a while since he kind of showed on a big stage. And you know, you know, you got Tong Kim, his uh his Korean brethren, who's kind of stealing the limelight. I I do think that you know Sung Jae has has something to prove, even after like a big uh, the President's Cup is it it kind of gets shoot away as like the you know obviously the lesser of the rider cup but i do think it's huge for these guys confidence and i think sung j had a, a good showing there um and i i am hoping you know that kind of breeds confidence into this season so i would expect sung j to uh i'd be betting sung j to win a major this year let's say that
0: okay i mean that's uh that i i i don't i don't hate that it's what his deal is his deal is the putting right i mean he's just not I, yeah, I guess that's just, a, weakness, but. that's just a brand. That's just a brand of guy, right? Is the guy who who's at, you know, uh, uh, Byung-Hun-An Byung was kind of like the poster boy of this. Luke List, a poster boy of this. Um, Thomas Peters was kind of like a European version of that. Just these guys who were like so good off the tee, so good with their irons, but they're like huge dogs to make eight-foot putts, basically.
1: Yeah, but I mean, Sungjae's definitely shown flashes where he can kind of step up and pretty much hit anything. I, I, I trust his putting a lot more than some of these other guys in the top, you know, twenty or or thirty here. But yeah, like if one game, one part of his game is going to go, it would be that.
0: Yeah, which uh, I mean, which can change, right? Guys, guys can just have good putting seasons or good putting tournaments. I mean, like a lot of the times, major winners are just the guys who end up having the hottest putting. See, I mean that like every time Spieth wins a major, it's because he either he puts or he has like the the most absurd around the green game uh, that you've ever seen.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, like this kind of this is why like people are bullish on uh, Zalatoris. It's like putting almost matters less at at you know extremely hard golf courses just because kind of everyone's struggling um, to get the ball to the green. So if you have you know an elite skill set tee to green, um, you, you're going to give yourself more birdie looks than most guys who you're know, either finding the rough or can't hit a green in regulation. So he's, he can two putt for, for pars, whereas other guys will have, you know, 12 footers for pars. So uh, that's where like Zala Torres's edge kind of shines is on extremely tough golf courses. And I do think Sung Jay's kind of that same type of player.
0: Yeah. I, I think that uh, I think that makes sense. I mean, I guess we haven't even really talked about uh, you know, sort of the, the strokes gained data at, uh, at this point, I mean, So strokes gained is, is sort of interesting because a lot of the way it's presented is not adjusted too much. And that's sort of, uh, that's sort of like the, the data golf thing, which is, I mean, you know, there are a lot of great providers out there. Data golf or is the website that I use. Um, I I like their projections. I like their, I like their tools. Um, I mean, honestly, like how does, how much do those, uh, the various strokes gain stuff, how much does that impact like what you're doing at the score?
1: Uh. I'd be lying if it, done, if I said a lot, obviously I use it um, more so in like, you know, tournament matchups, round matchups, just to kind of figure out how guys might be playing that week or coming into that week um, from like a odds boards projection. It's, it's going to be a lot longer term type stuff. Um, whereas me personally, I use strokes gain, trying to, try to paint the picture, you know, maybe a smaller picture or a, a short time, shorter time frame. Um, you know, tell me how a guy's playing over the last month. I'll use strokes gained. Whereas, um, you know, tell me again how a guy's playing over the last year or two. Uh, I'll, I'll use a lot more than just, you know, strokes gained data. If, if that makes sense. Um, again, I, I do like to throw out. It maybe uh maybe a bit of a, um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a fault in my game, I guess, is, you know, I, t- I tend to look overlook putting just because I do think it's so, variable um anyone can kind of pop up a putt on any given week but um yeah a lot of a lot of T to green stuff um for for shorter term you know markets if if that makes any sense
0: so you're saying you're saying the the tee to green stuff tends to be more impactful for like uh like like matchups uh three balls uh you know 72 hole things like that as opposed to uh like strictly impacting the the outright markets
1: yeah, like if I'm going to price up at round three, I'm going to use, you know, their last six or eight, eight rounds of data, um, you know, their T to green data, I'm going to rely on that heavier than I am their you know, their last, you know, two and a half months worth of work, or if you know what I'm saying, I, it's, it, I feel like it, it helps predict, um, you know, their next round, what they're doing in the last, you know, week and a half, then, you know, predicting what their next round is going to be based on what they've done over the last year.
0: Yeah, I mean I think I think that I think that makes um a fair amount of sense. I mean, I know like a lot of what people are doing for uh like showdown, you know, single game single round stuff or head to head stuff is being like, you know, this dude gains uh I don't know, three and a half strokes tee to green, but lost four and a half strokes on the green or whatever, which actually is like kind of a, a simplistic way to estimate, you know, if a guy is, is playing poorly or just getting unlucky or whatever.
1: Yeah. I mean got to be careful though like, like the guy who's losing you know two strokes in round one he might just be a brutal putter so that could sure. just be his <laughs> <Yes>. average <laughs> yeah
0: so i would yeah,
1: yeah you got to find their you know their kind of their baseline and, and kind of predict if they're gonna you know regress and in, in in one or the other directions but yeah that's pretty much the uh cole's notes version of it
0: okay so if someone listening to this podcast they're like all right i'm in this is a good conversation about golf. I I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to start tossing a couple bucks every week at, at these tournaments. What would your baseline recommendations be for them to, to start betting golf successfully in
1: 2023? A couple bucks. I mean, I think you, you got to want to go find information and trust and find people you trust. Um, I would not just like, you know, if I was new to this, I would not just fire up a, a sports book app and just start clicking, you know, long shots. I would I For would try sure. to do some research and figure out, you know, either what tournament it is, you know, what what course it's at, maybe their course history, how well are they playing the last month and a half, two months. Um, you know, there's there's so many smart people out there with with really good opinions and and kind of perspective on, you know, whatever whatever tournament might be. I I do think you can it's it's very hard to do this alone to, to become a, a profitable sports, you know, a golf better to do it alone. Um, yes. unless you're running extremely, you know, in-depth numbers and models and have, a, you know, years of history, but, you know, guy who just coming and picking up his sports book app for the first time probably doesn't have that. So, um, you know, there's, there's a number of trusted voices on Twitter that you can rely on. Um, and then, uh, you know, just get familiar with the players, get familiar with, you know, kind of how odds boards look and, maybe don't try to hit home runs every week. You, you're not really going to, you know, how many times does a one in a hundred golfer win a year? Maybe, maybe twice, maybe not even that many. So um, it is cool to hit those, but um, at the same time, rarely does, rarely does someone who has a 150 to one ticket on a guy that was never just their only bet for that week. I'll say that. I mean, you'd have to be extremely lucky to to just pick the one one guy out of 156, um, you're going to have a few guys on that card and maybe you build it so that the payout is 10 to one instead of, you know, 50 to one. So you, you kind of build your card in a way that gives you the most, I guess, the, the most winning upside, even though you don't have the entire board covered. Um, I, I do think sprinkling on, on a few guys is a lot more, uh, you know, is a is a smarter approach than just, you know, punting away on long shots
0: yes uh i mean i think like kind of living in that 40 to 1 to 80 to 1 range is pretty good i think betting top fives top tens of course, is a yeah. pretty good way um a lot of the, the not uh, not a ton of um american books offer this but a lot of books offer the each way which is part of your wager for the win goes to a top five so you're you know if your dude if your dude loses by one stroke in a playoff you don't you know you don't get uh completely wrecked or or whatever yeah um yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I I use the tools of data golf. There are a lot of people out there. I mean, obviously, Pat's show is phenomenal. You guys should all listen to that. But there are there are a lot of people out there that do good work. I know ETR has a, a golf product with Rufus releasing some of his stuff that could be helpful. um There are there are, there are lots of ways to win. But it, I mean, I will just say there like truly is nothing better than hitting a golf outright. It is the best feeling in sports betting. For sure, it shit. is
1: it is the most uh, yeah uh I don't know if stressful is the right word but like uh th- there's an, a there's an emotion that gets that comes out on Sunday like when you know your guy's got a one-shot lead and and he's on the t-shot like he's hitting a t-shot and like you just have no idea where it's gonna go I remember uh I had Russell or no I had Harris English at the Travelers I don't even know if you remember this playoff but he went I think it was like seven or eight holes against uh Kramer Hickok Maybe one of the most boring playoffs to watch, but every shot, I was at the edge of my sheet, my, my seat, um, and they were just, you know, dueling it out with par after par. It was, it was painful, but also exciting at the same time. It, there's actually nothing like sweating a a Sunday, a you know, the end of a end of a round on Sunday when you have a, a nice ticket in your hand.
0: No, it's uh, it's absolutely beautiful. All right. There we go. I think that's a good conversation, um, about golf. I mean, tell, tell our Canadian listeners, well, h- how many people can, can book make with you on the score? Is it Canada only?
1: Uh, yeah, right now it's Ontario only, unfortunately. Um, obviously hopefully hoping that grows, uh, substantially. Uh, we also are under the, uh, the pen gaming umbrella. So barstool sports book, um, is eventually going to be, uh, become part of the, uh, the bigger picture. So, um, but again, I, I'm an advocate of, of shopping around. I'm not going to tell you, you have to be, there's so many sports books out there that you got to, you know, shop for the best number. There's no reason not to do it. Um, if someone's going to give you a, a 55 on some guy and, and you can, you know, you can go get a 60 somewhere else, go take the 60. It, it, it's the same product. You're just paying a little bit less for it. So why wouldn't you do that? So I'm an advocate of, you know, always shopping around for the best price. I do think that is, um one of the easiest ways to win more money, um, is, is by better, by getting a better number. So, um, obviously I'm biased, but, um, there's, I'm not gonna, I'm not, a am not naive enough to know that there's other competitors out there.
0: And super easy to do. Um, if you live in a legal market, like this is, this is something that like truly does not take, um, any time. So I, I, I am completely, I'm completely with you on that. All right, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening, of course, uh, and we will be back next week.
1: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and
0: starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and,
1: not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide